Hi, thank you for tuning in to Starter's Review. I'm Donna DeCarolis, Dean of Drexel University's Charles D. Close School of Entrepreneurship. And I have the pleasure today of interviewing Karen Jahanian, who is the founder and CEO of KMJ Consulting. KMJ Consulting is an innovative transportation company that she founded in 1998 that specializes in traffic engineering, transportation planning, and intelligent transportation systems. Uh, the company won Employer of the Year in 2015 from WTS, which actually promotes women in transportation. So Karen, thank you for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Karen, can you uh, tell me what really inspired you to start your own company, particularly a transportation company? Um, well, good morning, Donna. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, when I was from the time I was a youngster, I was had an entrepreneurial spirit. And probably about the seventh grade, I decided that I, I the first thought that I wanted to go into architecture. Mm -hmm. A family member took me along with him for the day so I could shadow, and I quickly realized that that wasn't for me. <laughs> but I think I did know it around that time that I wanted to have my own firm at mm -hmm. some point in time and that I would eventually become a civil engineer, which is what I did. Uh, the inspiration, I think entrepreneurship was all around me when I was growing up. Um, family members, community members. I come from, you know, I'm Armenian, as you know, mm -hmm. and uh, the granddaughter of immigrants. And when my grandparents, you know, people in their generation came to the United States, the first thing they did was open a business. Absolutely. And my great-grandparents were in the textile business, you know, in the old country. So it, I right. think it, we just grew up that way. So this was something that was in your ethos. It was in your blood. It was in really what you wanted to do. So your family had a big influence on this also. And so you, you went to Drexel. You were a civil engineer. You graduated with, in a civil engineering degree. And then you came back and got your MBA at Drexel also. That's right. And then is that when you decided to start your company? Well, I actually, I'd been thinking about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I never, I was never really happy working with working for other people. And why was that? I never realized that while I was there, I knew I wasn't happy, mm -hmm. but I think that uh, once I once I um, started my own company, which was actually just before I began uh, the executive MBA program here mm -hmm. at Drexel, I realized that it was my intention all along to create a culture that was different than those that I was working in. Mm -hmm. Engineering, as you know, is a very male-dominated field, and when I began my career, it was still kind of a 1950s, 1960s, everyone sitting at a tabletop and the boss uh, watching over you, you know, preparing your plans and doing your studies. Is, is that the kind of company that you were in? At one time, I witnessed okay. that in the company that I was working in. Right. And that did not... It, did, it didn't work for me. Right. It didn't work for me at all. I'm a very independent spirit. Uh, and I also, like, intrinsically, I knew I care about people very much, right. and I care about how they work and, and them achieving their own goals as well as mine. And I really uh, believe that I can help my employees reach their goals. 
and that and that is the environment that we that we have created. So so tell me about that. So tell me about that culture that exists at KMJ. First of all, how many people work there now? It was founded. Um, you founded it in 1998. 1998. We have been on a, you know, we're kind of like the stock market. I see okay. our our revenues. We go mm-hmm. up, then we we draw back a little bit, then we shoot up higher, then we draw back a little bit, and right now we're in one of those. Uh, we're coming out of a drawback. Okay. And on another uh, on another growth spurt. So we have about twelve people, including myself. Our work is mostly in Pennsylvania, but also New Jersey, Delaware, and New York to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And we um, so the culture is if I could have an open open seating environment, I would. I it, like we need. It's a very collaborative environment. Okay collaborative, we uh, care about one another. And so what does that really mean? Uh, every once in a while, I'll go, I'll go out to the store and get fruit and bring fruit back for everybody. And then I'll walk around and make sure that everyone you know, feels welcome. How was your weekend? Some of those things seem like it might be what everybody does in a company, but not the owner. Right. Not, it's not the owner. And I've had our staff members, the youngest ones, mm-hmm. um, who are millennials, mm-hmm come to me and tell me about conversations that they've had with their peers and they have commented that they are the only ones so my staff are the only ones who can have a direct conversation with the owner of the company Mm -hmm. about pretty much anything so that personal style when you first started is this something that a leadership style that evolved or did have you learned to do these things? Because I do believe, and I think you'll agree, that culture really is extremely important in the success of a company, both financial and in terms of employee outcomes. So how did you get to this point? Did it just happen um, serendipitously? Did it, how did you? I've worked really hard at it. Okay. When I first started, I was working alone, and so it was me and my clients. and. As, as we grew, I w- there were times that I would hire a person for skill set, but they weren't the right fit. And there were other times you know, that I did, I did a great job with hiring. Right. Um, so the, it definitely is an evolution. It's an evolution of, of me and how I've grown as a person, as a leader. Right. And I mean, funny story, you know, they talk about the bossy kid. So I was, I'm the oldest of three. And when I was, when we were younger growing up, I was definitely bossy and bossy. I mean, I was bossy. <laughs> it, it wasn't a leadership style. I was bossy. And my siblings will, will agree with that for sure. Okay. But I learned from that experience, right. you know, how to... There's, a, there's another way. You have to tone it down. There's another way. You can tone it down a little bit. And, um, and that's actually how we've gotten the best results, by, by identifying what everyone's strength is and what they want to do. What's your passion? Right. So if you go to our website, you will, you'll be able to read on our experience page what each person's passion is. Okay. And it's not always engineering. And, you know, they, we have one guy who loves to climb mountains, you know, another person who's totally into IT and computers. It, it's, a, it's a variety. And we really, we work hard to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not hard work. We, we work at it and we go out of our way to, you know, just to care about each other. So it sounds like um, you give them a lot of autonomy. 
because you trust your employees. So not to say that you're not overseeing, right? But you do give them autonomy. Yes. Is that, is that a fair I mean, statement? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what um, I've had conversations with our folks, and uh, some of them talk about agency. Okay. You know, and do I have it? Don't I have it? Absolutely. Like, you, we need to check in to make sure that what we're what we're each in doing as individuals is within the mission of our work and in the right, right context. Right, and that the quality is uh, there. Absolutely, right. absolutely. But I now have, I think, a staff that each of them, they're individual business development pods. Oh, that's how you have it set up. Absolutely, I mean, everybody is. Any contact that you have with a client mm -hmm. is business development. If they have a bad experience, if the client has a bad experience, mm -hmm. you aren't gonna, you may not have that client for long. That's right, that's right. So wow, that sounds like an so tell me, what is the secret to hiring the person that fits? Because we've all done it. We've all hired the person that they seem good on paper, they interview well, and then they get there and there's this, I'm gonna call it a misfit. There's a culture clash, there's a personality clash. Oh. Is is there any anything that you look for when you hire someone that you say, ah, this is this is gonna be the right one? The first thing that, and this took me a while, is to understand myself. What do I need? What do I want? And what do I, what are my personal values? So, and I spent, I spent probably maybe five years or so, and it's, it's still a work in progress. And you know, I identified my core values, and then I look for people who match up. I have questions, certain questions that I ask. I deviate from the typical interview mm -hmm. style, mm -hmm. and I'll ask, I ask them about their childhood, I'll ask them about their family life, and you know some of the same questions that you're asking, right. asking me now, just to get to know the person a little better. Right. And then I usually have a group interview with the rest of the staff because they're the ones who are gonna be working together. And then I ask each person, our, our current staff afterwards, what did you think? How did it feel? Do you think it's gonna be a fit? Um, we're very particular about, about quality and about writing, writing style, social media. When you're a company the size of ours, and I mean, we have, I'm, I'm one of the older people in the company. So mm -hmm. every, everyone else is a millennial pretty much. And then there are a couple who are in between. So. It's, we're learning, I learn a lot from them every day. And we share, we eat lunch together, we'll watch TED Talks together and then talk about the TED Talk. We have a Lunch and Learn series, which really? I think I'm deviating from your question. No, but no, we have this a, is fine. We have a Lunch and Learn series and I have each person um, participate in that. Each person will lead a Lunch and Learn about a topic that they are interested in in our industry. We... Uh, two weeks ago, we did a group guest lecture for the civil engineering department here at Drexel. And I, I set up a, a situation where each person talked about a project that they were passionate about. And they were so, each individually, so engaging with the students that we had one student, one or two students who, were, who stayed behind maybe 15 or 20 minutes after class, continuing the conversation. This is wonderful what you do with the lunch and learn. Is it called lunch and learn? It's at called your lunch company? and learn. So it really empowers them, gets them involved in the topic. Mm -hmm. 
That's that's great. It teaches them. Uh, it gives them experience on presenting, right. on formulating their thoughts. Uh, so in the past, you know, 1950s, 1960s, roadway construction, any kind of roadway design, you design the road, you told the people this is the road you're going to have. And that's what they had. It's not like that anymore. Everything that we do, all of our work, whether it's a study or a set of plans, requires interaction with either the public or the client or a, a special group that we may be uh, working with on So on you're that co-designing project. these systems. We're then. co-designing, and we and we have to be able to communicate clearly some complex issues. So let me go back to something you said, and I want to stay on this topic about communication. So you said that you hire people and they need to be able to write, and now you're saying they need to be able to communicate well, I guess, to have good people skills. Now, typically, when we think of engineers, we think of people that are very math-oriented, they don't need to learn about writing and communicating, but you're saying this is not the case, at least in your company. You need both. You You really need both today to to be successful. And in some in some larger companies, you can need you can be required only to do the technical work. But in our company that's just not the case. Right. And you're giving them the opportunity to even practice this through their own presentations and your lunch and learn and yes. and coming to Drexel mm-hmm. and talking to students. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they've really um, really embraced that opportunity. Even those who are the most technically oriented, when you get them talking about something they're passionate about, the, the, it's, there's no limit to how long they can, they can talk about it. Wow. It's really, it's really amazing. I and mean, we had, have um, one opportunity when we were in that class talking about ADA ramps, so the ramps uh, you know, for disabled. Right. And I was, I was just so, I was captured by the, the context that my staff member placed this topic in, he said, you know, any of us can someday be disabled. You, so that, you have no control over that. You never know what's going to happen. And when so that we, got right to the student. It got right to the students, and it gets right to the heart of our work. We're civil engineers. Yes. We support society. Wow. And have a great impact on it. And if you design that ramp, and it's not just so, you can have someone toppling over. And this is all part of the the values and the culture that you've created yes. at KMJ. Wow. Deviate a little bit. Question. What do you think is the best thing about having a business in Philadelphia and starting things in this city? So Philadelphia is a really exciting place to be. In the past, I'm, I'm born and raised here. I spent only five years outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in Boston for about five years. And I moved back, and since the time I moved back, the city has been on a constant upswing. Mm-hmm. If you, you go into the city, there's, there's a lot of excitement and energy and young people. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally, I thrive on it. Um, I try not to look back too much. I always you know, am looking forward. I'm really excited about the work that's happening with um, uh, Schuylkill Yards. At Drexel, right? At Drexel. Right. Um, my firm is involved in the Amtrak uh, 30th Street Master Plan. So we're familiar, we were familiar with what was going on before that. Right. And if I could, I would love to move my company 
to this area when when our lease is up it's probably going to coincide with the time that that wow. some of the buildings will be complete that's terrific. it's just there's a lot of positive energy around that good good i agree i agree let me ask you a question could you share with us um in your professional career a desperate devastating moment where you thought oh no this is it what do i do and you don't have to really share what the the incident was but more importantly you know how did you overcome that how do you come back from that well i've had a few okay <laughs> and we're still in business okay, there you go <laughs> Uh, one was very, very early on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the old, well, you're an entrepreneur and then you run out of money. What do you do? Uh, running out of money is a very motivational <laughs> experience. <laughs> I'll say that. So you basically, you put your bootstraps on, you know, and off, and off you go. So, um, but in other situations, and more recently, in the past 10 years, I've in, in a lot of my the reading that I've done, mm -hmm. it says give yourself a time to quote unquote mourn. So I'll take an hour, sometimes two, sometimes it's 24 hours, but it stops at 24 hours. Well, how do you find the discipline to do that? Well, when you're a sole, basically I'm a sole proprietor. Right. I look at the people who are in my office, who are there, we're there in partnership, working together. Right. So if I continue to go to the office in a downer mood, or if I am ever there in a downer mood, that mood spreads through the entire office. I mean, we do. We have a cheerleader. We have one one person who is a cheer also doubles as a cheerleader, and um, actually, she called me this morning before I came. You ready? Wow. No, you're going to do great. That's true. So, you know, any. Now, did you assign this role to her? Or no, she just... she's just a naturally cheerful person. She was okay. also the first person that I hired. Okay. I thought maybe she was a designated role that you have in your. No, we... <laughs> Which would be kind of cool, right? <laughs> it would, but <laughs> uh, there are times that companies have a person who is a cheerleader and that's all they do. I'm, I'm very, really fortunate in that this yeah. person actually does work too. <laughs> right. That's great. That's great. Um, so engineering. So you're in a field that we know is traditionally dominated by men. Uh, and I know at Drexel and many other universities, we are, we are motivated to get women involved in STEM, uh, women to become more entrepreneurial. Um, how, do you think, how do you think women sort of find their competitive advantage? How did you find it within yourself as a woman to become a leader in this male-dominated field, right? Which is pretty significant, I think. Were there any obstacles along the way? Did you, prejudices? Okay, so multiple questions. I, I know. I'll take, to... I'll take the first one first. Okay. So I think that everyone has a special talent, regardless of your gender. So um, mine is that I take my work seriously and I really care about my clients. And I have had for a very long time, uh, will be recommended, it's word of mouth that a lot of our business has, has come to us and it's that Karen's responsible and she's gonna get the job done. Okay. So, and you know, in a quality way. And I'm also very strategic and I can see both the overall picture as well as the, the details to get the project uh, completed and anticipate 
what our clients need. So mm-hmm. sometimes before they even know they need it, I can see that. And that's what we're known for. So I think that, so for, so does that, is that because I'm a woman? I, I don't know. But I have a but special. It's because it's you. It's because it's me. So I think, you know, I have I have that I have a talent, and that's and that's the one that I've claimed, mm-hmm. and I, and it gives me a high in a way. Right. I like. Uh, yesterday, I had a, a chance to work on a project, which I don't get have a chance to do very often, mm-hmm. and I was collaborating with someone else, and it was a great day, and they saw me. I was smiling the whole day because I had a chance to do that. Wow. But. Um, were there obstacles? Yes, there there are obstacles. In business, in a small business, there are always obstacles. I think it's really the way that you handle them. Um, do I have an obstacle? Obstacles be because I'm a woman in this industry, probably. But you don't think about it. You just every once in a while I do, but I try not to, because it, you know there's no point. <laughs> It's right. not there is productive. No point. It's not productive. There is so no I, I mean, I've had the same experience. There is no point. You just do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you seem very self-aware, which I think is a great lesson for everyone, but especially women. I mean, you you spend a lot of time contemplating about your own values and and how you're going to lead and how your self-awareness actually impacts your customers and your employees. I think it does. Yeah, and I think that's why they come back. Yeah. And. You know, along those same lines, mm-hmm. some of my classmates, so when, when I went to Drexel as an undergraduate, mm-hmm. we were mostly commuters. And we've stuck together. Really? You know, for That's the past, great. you know, 30 plus right. years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we are all working in the same industry in Philadelphia. And we've all risen to a level now where we have the opportunity to select to work together. And we do. Great camaraderie. And when we do, you know, we, what I, one of the things that I discovered, you know, going back to the, any obstacles as a woman. So one of the things that I discovered is that the the issues that I thought were gender based Mm -hmm. are not. The guys have the same problem. They might not talk about it. And because they're not women, they don't say, well, I have this problem because I'm a woman. They just have the problem and they resolve it. And they don't stereotype it. They don't stereotype it. And so once I heard uh, some of my the friends same. telling me, though, I have the same problem, and right. I asked them what they do right. about it, and they told me, I said, well, okay, I can't handle the problem the same way because it will be perceived very negatively, but I found a way that fits within my personal style to handle those issues. Again, that self-awareness. Yeah. It's a theme. Yes. <laughs> So, it definitely makes a difference in business. Yes, absolutely. That's great. That's great. So closing question. Um, the close school at Drexel is all about starting something. So what advice would you give people who want to start something? Take a risk. Take, <laughs> take the risks and do it. There were times that I didn't take a risk and stayed within my comfort zone. I probably... Could have a much would have a much larger company today if I did, mm-hmm. um, but certainly you know taking a risk, not being afraid, uh, create um, an ecosystem around you mm-hmm. that has people who are like-minded mm-hmm. and like-minded um, and care about you. Well, that's as great. you have done. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Karen Jahanian, president and owner of KMJ Consulting, here with us at Starter's Review. Thanks again, Karen. Thank you, Donna.